going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome to another week of Big Digital Energy. Hope everyone had a fantastic Labor Day. Hopefully you got plenty plenty of rest. Chuck, Seems like you're still resting. I'm still resting. I'm just energy levels low today. I got Did plenty you... of sleep. My whoop said I had a 92% recovery, but I don't, really? feel, I don't feel like it. Right, fair, fair enough. I will carry the day. That's why I have my Diet Chuck's, Coke. I'm ready to rock. Chuck's going to carry the show. Hey, speaking of that, that's not a Diet Coke. It's Coke Zero. Coke Zero. Back uh, in my day, we called it Diet Coke. I heard Dr. Pepper donated 2,500 cans of Dr. Pepper to Fuse. So yes. Shout out to Dr. Pepper. Oh, <laughs> so uh, I will only be drinking Diet Dr. Pepper <laughs> <Yeah>. going forward. <laughs> Unless I hear five, Coke. Oh, man. All right. What do we got on the, uh, on the docket okay. today? A little bit of soapbox from me. Okay. So OPEC came out and said, we're going to do a cut of 100,000 barrels. We're worried about, you know, pending recession. We're going to support price, all that sort of stuff. So let me do a little education first, and then I'll get on my rant. All right. One of the key things, so I went back and forth with this guy on Twitter that I don't know is fully appreciated. Excess capacity is defined as you can turn it on within 30 days mm -hmm. and the production will be sustained for more than 90 days. So when the OPEC talks about, we have three or 4 million barrels of excess capacity, that is the definition that they are theoretically using. That doesn't mean you can go drill a well and get more production, yeah. right? I mean, there, in the grand scheme of things, there are probably what eight to 10 countries on the planet that could increase their oil production if they wanted yeah. by drilling, spending capital, doing all that sort of stuff, right? So what's so important about that is with excess capacity, if you truly have three or four million barrels, you really can sit in the catbird seat and dictate what oil prices are because you take it away, you add it, you know, whatever the, the case may be. Here's what I've been saying We've talked about this a million times on here. I've been saying since January 2020, OPEC doesn't have any spare capacity. We showed the chart about all the drilling rigs Saudi Arabia is using, that they truly don't have it, that it's just bravado on their part. So I tweeted out this weekend. I said, hey, the 100,000 barrel cut is not a cut. It's just decline, mm -hmm. right? And some guy's like, oh, no, they actually have it and all. Here, let me put up a chart real quick. And I stole this from Josh Young. Josh, I hope that's okay. Um, you tweeted it out, so I'm sure it's okay. <laughs> but this is, if you look back a couple of years, the kind of bluish, grayish bar, that is actual OPEC production versus their stated output targets. And you'll notice, you know what all those numbers are? They're negative. They've been you lower know? than all of their targets. Yeah, they can't hit it. Yeah. Oil was at, what, we peaked at $141 a barrel? You tell me you're not going to hit your target when oil's at 141 They don't have it. Now, when you dig into the numbers, it seems like Saudi and UAE have actually been able to hit their targets and the like. It's the rest of OPEC. But, I mean, we had on the show, what, like two months ago, Macron from France telling uh, – Biden, hey, man, I talked to UAE. They said they got about 100,000 barrels left. And same with Saudi. You guys in the United States have to produce. Yeah. So anyway, my whole thing is this is a bunch of bravado. We don't have any excess capacity in the world. If we're going to grow production beyond 
wherever we are today, 99.3 million barrels a day of demand, it's going to take some work. And I don't think the market realizes So what that. we can also um, extrapolate from that chart is that if OPEC says that they're cutting by 100,000 barrels, they're actually probably, we can expect a much larger cut than that <laughs> because they've been under their projections uh, for the past two years. And I actually think that it may go longer than that because uh, I remember looking at the data like a year or so ago and they'd already been under projections uh, up to that point. And so um, I'd be interested to see how far back that trend actually goes. Well, and the, the, the big thing that happened in there that kind of saved us from having the real talk about what is excess capacity is COVID, right? I mean, every we went from using almost 100 million barrels a day down to 75. Yeah. So everybody shut in a bunch of wells. So, I mean, OPEC could back then say we have excess capacity because everybody had shut in stuff. The United States had excess capacity. Yeah. You have that when oil's at minus 37. But I mean, at the end of the day, those guys just don't have it. And we need to be having a real and frank discussion about this yeah. instead of going, ah, no, no, they'll just turn the spigot on. Yeah. Yeah. John May commented and said, yay, higher prices for WTI and Q4, which I think has kind of been um, interesting to say the least that oil prices have really kind of stayed artificially suppressed you know with particularly things. the out years i mean yeah. we're in backwardation still to this yeah. day yeah so do you think do you think well prices right now reflect supply and demand um accurately or do you think that they're mispriced i mean i think i think at the end of the day in the moment we're usually pretty good so whatever we're 88 dollar oil 89 dollar oil wherever we are today is probably right the thing I think that's mispriced, and this is weird for me to say, because I've always been, if you have billions of dollars traded, the market is efficient. Mm -hmm. I've always said that. And I never think you can, I, I actually don't think people are able to outthink the market and the like. I think when you do that, you, you've gotten lucky. Yeah. But there's just no reason for us to be in backwardation like this. I think you can buy a barrel of oil four years out that has a six handle on it yeah. or 60 something. And I just... I don't see how that's correct unless we have global recession. So demand goes down dramatically, which we're going to talk about in a little bit when we talk about Nord Stream going down. Maybe that is global recession. Yeah. Maybe China's way over levered and their economy is not going to grow uh, like they say it is. But I mean, supply wise, we're we're at about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. So yeah, maybe we're so really it's accurately out. priced, but three years out, that can't be right. Yeah, I agree with that. So let's talk about. So it. we're raising. So the announcement of the Digital Wildcatters three-year oil fund. Please send in your money. We're going to go on <laughs> NYMEX buy barrels of oil. Is that our? We just announced a new fund. I yeah, wasn't aware exactly. of that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Why is the SEC calling me on the other line? We're just kidding. So let's dive into uh, let's dive into the Nord Stream uh, topic. So here's kind of what we did. Russia comes out and says, "Oh, we found a leak. We need to do maintenance." They've been playing this. We don't have this part. We don't. Have this. They say they don't have a leak. They shut it in. Right. It's kind of wild since the start of the Ukraine war. They've dropped about 12 BCF a day out of uh, out of Nord Stream. Um, so they have this leak. Right. And then the G7 comes out and says, now nah, we're going to put a 
price cap on Russian oil, Russian gas, all this in response to higher oil prices. I think Russia actually stole our finger of the week video and did it to the EU because they have come out and said any country enforcing that price cap doesn't get any gas. Yeah. And so they have now officially kind of played the card of no gas for you. And so here we are. Here we are at the big standoff. Someone can go look it up on this show. Said it a couple months ago when Norsham went down with maintenance. So this isn't maintenance. I said the line's not coming back on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how fucking, I mean, just people are so wet behind the ears. It's like this is Putin playing. And to your point, just finally came out and said it. Like, hey, anyone that supports a price cap, you're not getting gas. I mean, this is where this was going all along. So um yeah the second that i heard that that headline of that there was scheduled maintenance and that they're going to be down like <laughs> no <laughs> i love the movie casablanca where uh they're in officer renault's uh it, they're in his office and it's are you demanding that i come in tomorrow and and he says let's just say it's my request that's a more pleasant word <laughs> i mean that's, that's just it i mean putin's been doing the requesting actually i was talking to uh, our good friend vlad the uh the uh, richmond police officer yeah. who's russian by background he says it's putin so in russia it's it's not putin it's putin really and that's actually what putin calls himself putin so, Isn't that a Canadian food? Yeah, exactly. A bad Canadian <laughs> yeah, food. No. I mean, when that's, that's the food can... of your people, I'm sorry, Canada, <laughs> but you're not conquering the world. That's gonna be some that's gonna be some fighting words for any uh Canadians watching the show. But hey, one really serious point that needs to be in focus, and to his credit, Dan Pickering said this almost a year ago when he co-hosted BDE with me. I think he co-hosted October of last year, so almost a year ago. What Dan said was, you're going to have limited resources. Governments are going to have to make decisions. Do we keep people warm, keep people alive, or do we run factories? And they're going to err on the side of keeping people warm, not running factories. You and I have been reporting kind of over the last year, this fertilizer plant shut down, This that fertilizer plant. This is happening now in real time. We see it about 20% of the S&P 500 earnings come out of Europe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if if that patient is going to be really, really sick, that's a flu that can affect the rest of the world. So I hate wearing my tinfoil hat on this, but, you know, I haven't bought a bomb shelter yet and I haven't started storing canned foods, but <laughs> it's on the table. Yeah, Brent Smith commented and said, quote unquote, supply chain issues. So Brent seems to agree with us on the uh, sentiment around the nature of the uh, pipeline. Um, Got another comment from Douglas says, Exxon's resilience in the Russian Far East was credited to their complex supply chain as a a reason for their success and contrast to BP, Shell, etc. So, um, man, we're getting, got another comment We'll Doug's actually my buddy from high school. Oh, is it? He, yeah, he's Sorry, a healthcare Doug. guy who, uh, who says he tunes <laughs> into uh, to BDE, breaks up it's, the day for him. It's good to hear from you, Doug. And then Derek said, seems like we should be in a moon race type effort for LNG. I mean, yeah, this is uh, 
what Toby Rice and the team over at EQT has really been pushing for um, in their campaign for Unleash LNG. And so you think that there'd be more of a, a conversation in uh, international politics. Well, which- just remember when Senator Warren is saying we need to do all we can for Europe and Ukraine. Her state is the one that imports LNG because they won't build a pipeline from Toby Rice into Massachusetts. Yeah, I made a TikTok about that last week, um, just with a map showing the LNG imports to uh, New England. It was just like, hey, look, these places, this, all this LNG either comes from Trinidad or Algeria, and we have the most prolific natural gas play just 250 miles away can build some pipelines or repeal the Jones Act so that all of this LNG that we're exporting out of the Gulf instead of going over to Europe or, um, you know, Korea, wherever it may be going to, um, we could send that right up the coast to Boston. And so there's just a lot of wonky energy policy. It's not even that wonky. It's just like common sense. Well, someone commented on my TikTok. They're like, they're like, you're cherry picking. You're not telling the whole story here and showing your bias. I'm like, well, show your work, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's the- pretty, it's pretty black and white to me. It's, like, it's not biased. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's I'm not sure. biased. I'm just telling you what's happening. So, anyways, but on the note of LNG and uh, EQT's message, we had a big uh, EQT acquisition. Um, Trafficking and rumors of possible. It's rumors. Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. But let's dive into that real quick. Okay. So I believe it was Bloomberg that reported this, or it might have been Reuters. Uh, EQT's in discussions to buy Tug Hill Operating Portfolio Company of Quantum. Um, Tug Hill's got a big position in Appalachia, which makes sense. I mean, Toby's the logical buyer there. They're Marshall and Wetzel counties of West Virginia, which is is good stuff in the uh, the Marcellus. 760 million cubic feet a day of, of production. There's pipeline infrastructure, talking $4 billion. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the file, and we're going to clip me saying what I say about every public you know, consolidation that involves a private equity-backed company is if Quantum could sell that for cash, they would. The market's going to throw up on any buyer that gives cash. So mm-hmm. it's going to be some cash. It's going to be stock. Quantum's going to take that stock and liquidate it over the next two years. And that's just the that's yeah. the playbook to two put something instead of trying to hole out. And yeah. so this is just more of the same. At the you know at the end of the day, what do we need? We need probably ten EMP companies in America. Yeah, you know, operating all these assets. Which is funny though, because I was reading this. I have this book at the house, and it's um. Shit, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's like the Wildcatters or something like that. And anyways, uh, there was this part that was talking about is there a more resilient business than independent operators in America? Because there's been all these points in history where like they're not going to survive. We don't need all these independent operators, but they're just like cockroaches. They they never die and they stick around. So and no barrier. Well, no barrier to entry. Yeah, I, mean, I think it. I think it's easy to say, like logically, like we only need ten EMPs, but I don't know if it'll ever happen. But I mean, that's a pretty sizable acquisition by EQT if they're doing uh, seven hundred million cubic feet. I think. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, EQT does five billion a day. So um, I mean, that's a pretty 
um, you know, you're looking at 15 or 20 percent. Four billion is four billion, no matter how yeah. you cut it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a that's a big number. The um, you know, and and when you look at EQT stock price, I I, I looked at this a few days ago, so it may be somewhat dated, but uh, natural gas companies are up, call it 82% for the year, the mm-hmm. peer group. I think Toby and those guys are up 118%. So oh, the nice. stocks, stocks overperformed, uh, the peer group over the last year. And, uh, again, you know, at the end of the day, Toby's leading the charge on LNG and he's just building more inventory for it. I, as saw, he should. A, I saw a funny tweet from uh, Chevron exec today. Oh, I'm not logged in on my computer. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick because it's funny enough. To... I'll read. I'll read what uh, Colin Gasper told us. He he said some EQT acquired Chevron acreage, butts up against Tug Hill. Those wells are pretty big producers from from Tug Hill. Yeah. Okay, so this is uh, this guy Chris on Twitter said that energy margin calls seen totaling at least one and a half trillion dollars. Says European energy trading risk grinding to a halt unless governments extend liquidity to cover uh, margin calls of at least one and a half trillion dollars, according to Norwegian energy company Equinor. And then Chevron executive uh, retweeted that and said, "Breaking Chris Bird's EQT short makes up the majority of this margin call." <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor, poor Chris Bird, getting getting his face ripped off on, yeah, on the well. short call. But all right. Hold on one other while we're in M&A land real quick. Satio, uh, the mineral company, bought Brigham. And you know how you don't let me do videos anymore? We used to have these cool videos <laughs> that would intro stuff. Was this a shotgun wedding? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, this actually would have been roller coaster. Roller coaster <laughs> of love. So if you remember, we talked about Satio. They filed the IPO. They had the pricing call. There was Kimridge basically saying F you to the banks, called it off. Then they turned around, they merged with Falcon Minerals uh, to create the public entity. And we kind of called that the shotgun wedding. Yeah. So at that point, you're kind of going, huh, whatever. Then they turn around, they buy Momentum Permian. And then it's no surprise that Brigham went away because the rumor on the street has been the Brigham management team did a great job. They were ready to cash out and retire mm-hmm. and go hang out in Austin and go yeah. to ACL and do all that good <laughs> stuff. It's kind of wild sitting here within less than a year of our reporting on this that Satio is now the cons- biggest consolidator out there in mineral world. Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Kudos to Kimridge. We'll give them their props. I guess that is when you laid out like that. That would have been a good roller coaster segment. Could have been a new segment. <laughs> oh, now you tell me. Look at look for my Twitter this afternoon. We'll do roller coaster. But uh, that's a uh, that's a that's a big deal. So is that all we got for this week, or we got we got one more? Nah, I think that's I think that's it. You that's got anything? It? No, that's the, uh, uh we got you know we got 10 minutes i know well we don't have 10 minutes what happened so we to go. pop culture over this <laughs> over this weekend who the uh, kardashian mary oh, oh by the way my my favorite thing kanye's gone on another one of his rants oh, on i saw instagram. that on instagram Did yeah you, i love the major flex i put 140 million dollars in chase i mean he didn't even call him jp morgan he called him yeah. chase and you still don't give me a meeting with jamie diamond that's a strong flex i saw that's a life goal did you see his one where he gave a shout out to uh mark Andreessen? 
No, I missed that. Yeah, he uh, he posted a picture of Mark Andreessen from Andreessen Horowitz and said that he's going on a rant about how he fucking hates VCs and uh, said that Mark was the only one that he liked. <laughs> posted a picture of him. So I don't know what I don't know what that was what that was all about. But um, yeah, other than that, pop culture. All I saw was you tweeting at Elon Musk. And Elon, Elon, I mean that sincerely. I will reverse my vasectomy and start populating the world more so if you'll come <laughs> speak at Fuse. Oh man, Chuck's Chuck's I'm making some for the team. making some promises that uh, that I don't want to fulfill. Anyways, guys. <laughs> hey, real real quick, Colin. In all seriousness, before we do finger of the week, give us a quick update on Fuse, the conference uh yeah fuse one if you're watching uh prices go up on friday so only a few days left to get the discounted early price on fuse it's gonna be great i just posted a tiktok of st9's digifrac which i don't know if you got to see it or not but it's this badass electric frac pump uh it's got five 400 continuous horsepower motors on each side of it so it's got 4,000 horsepower uh generated by these electric motors it's pretty sick um anyways i posted on tiktok it's already at 120,000 views so the people they like it anyways it's going to be there at fuse um believe next year is also going to debut their new electric frac pump so you're going to come see cutting edge electric frac pump technology it's going to be at fuse and we've got a lot of uh, other other cool uh, people coming out uh, last week we talked about Fervo Energy and their new $140 million raise uh, for geothermal. CEO Tim uh, Latimer is going to be there. Toby Rice is going to be there talking about the future of LNG. So it's going to be a good time. Plus, yeah. Dr. Pepper. Doctor, Shout exactly. out to Dr. Pepper again. Dr. I don't even Pepper. know where that came from. I don't know who made that happen, but Dr. Pepper reached out, so they wanted to donate 2,500 cans of Dr. Pepper. So. so one of the things I don't know that will get done at this fuse, but I mean, the whole concept there is, look, if we're really going to reduce carbon out there, we got to have the oil and gas guys. we got to have the renewables guys. we got to have technology. we got to have everybody in the same room talking because this whole thing of us all being in our bunkers, lobbing shit at each other, that's not going to help yeah. anything. So having everybody there, I don't know that we'll get it pulled off, but one of the things I do want us doing at this thing going forward is issuing an ESG statement where it has input from everyone on that. Cause I yeah. think that could actually be really constructive and educational. So. Yeah. Also on that note, we're doing a uh, startup pitch competition and not one of those bullshit uh, fluffy uh, startup competitions. We're actually aiming to give away 50 to a hundred thousand dollars to the grand prize winner. So if you have a startup out there that is at a seed stage or a pre-seed stage, reach out to us and fill out the application to apply. We are filling out those spots now. So hope to see you guys there. It's going to be a great time. We'll catch you all next week on well, BDE. Oh, we, we got a finger, finger of the week. All right, get week. your finger all of the right, weekend. Here we go. Before I end I'm the show. Before I end the show. Finger of the week this week, Dr. Carl Butcher. I think that's how you say it in German. My German grandmother is rolling over in her grave <laughs> knowing that her grandson cannot pronounce German. All right, let's hear it. And you know who this guy, so this guy was actually born in 1901. I think he passed away in the, in the 70s, early 70s. But he was actually a theoretical physicist, and he did a lot in the way of nuclear 
power, energy, etc. And by all intensive purposes, was a really good guy. He was anti-Nazi. He had hid Jews in his house. He protected his Jewish colleagues that were uh, so that taught with him. Why are so giving us guy friend, of the week? <laughs> he came out and said that nuclear pant, nuclear power plants could never be safe, and that nuclear waste was an impossible problem to solve. So a lot of folks call him the anti-nuclear movement. When did he say father. that? He a said that ago? a long time ago in oh, the thirties okay. and the forties and the fifties. Yeah. And it really took, took root in Germany. And that's where you've seen kind of the biggest anti-nuclear folks to the point now where they're shutting down nuclear. They still plants. want, yeah, they still won't keep their nukes open. Even, and, in, yeah, yeah, even, even facing this. You know and, what's funny about like the nuclear waste thing is like, it's not that big of a problem. Like if you look at the makeup of nuclear waste in a uh, 55 gallon drum, it's like one little speck from what I've seen of nuclear waste and the rest is just filled with concrete. And anyways, we could put it in Oklahoma and nobody knows. Yeah, exactly. And you, you know, I've actually seen companies that are um, trying to inject it back into the ground, just like CO2 uh, sequestration. Why can't you do that with nuclear waste? And it doesn't hurt. I mean, there's, nuclear is, is radiations natural right and yeah. so it doesn't hurt to be down on the ground yeah. so so i actually don't think nuclear i think nuclear energy comes down more to economics than actual um physics and um logistics because i don't think that the the waste issue is a problem but back in the 30s and 40s you didn't know what we were capable of doing nowadays with drilling and injecting so two th two things in defense of him one he saw a totalitarian government that if the Nazis acquired a nuclear bomb, you and I are not sitting here on camera right now. Yeah. So fair enough for that. And two, Germany did get blasted by nuclear uh, radioactive material from Chernobyl. So they had a little bit different. We can gripe all we want to about nuclear. Nobody died at Three Mile Island. Yeah. It was contained. So yeah. anyway, maybe a slight finger of the week, yeah. too. A gentle <laughs> finger of the week. Saying all these good things about him. I'm like, now you're giving him finger of the week. So, all right, guys. Appreciate y'all hanging around with us today, checking out the show as always. Appreciate everyone uh, hanging out with us in the comments. We'll catch y'all next week, 10.30 a.m. Central Time on Tuesday.